Welcome to Fast Asleep. Now, you might be here for a beautiful night's sleep, or you could just be here to hear a wonderful story. Either way, it's very nice to have you with us. In this episode, you're about to hear the conclusion of Walter Brooks' whimsical tale of, uh, can we call it witchcraft? Um, well, it is from Alfred Hitchcock's collection, but honestly, if you're looking for a really scary story, this one is not it. So what? Let's, let's go ahead, let's tuck in, let's enjoy the conclusion of Miss Emmeline Takes Off. Mrs. Bishop thought she would faint away again, and then she decided that a glass of lemonade would be better. She got it herself from the dining room, and while she was sipping it, Miss Emmeline flew in the window and leaned her broom in the corner sat down again. Well, she said, now do you believe me? No, said Mrs. Bishop, and I suppose it is some form of hypnotism, and I will ask you not to do it again. Mm, well, suppose you try it yourself then, said Miss Emmeline, and held out the ointment. Mrs. Bishop said she would do nothing of the kind, but Miss Emmeline argued that if she didn't believe it, it would do no harm to try. She said, if it doesn't work with you, I will believe that there is some hypnotic trickery about it, and I will promise you not to do it again. So Mrs. Bishop at last agreed, and although she was well, rather stout, she rose from the floor as lightly as a feather and floated out the window. Now, after about 10 minutes, there was a scream and then a great clamor and shouting over in the valiant garden. But as Miss Emmeline started up in alarm, Mrs. Bishop came through the window. She seemed a little flushed, and as she sat down, she said, Well, Emmeline, you have proved your point. <laughs> and if I must say, it is very delightful. But it won't do. It won't do at all. So Miss Emmeline asked what had happened, and Mrs. Bishop said that coming back, she'd had some trouble with the steering apparatus. She had not realized that if you depressed the stick, you swooped toward the ground. And unfortunately, she had swooped just at the wrong moment and had passed so close between Mr. Mall and the maid, who was serving him coffee on the terrace, that she scared them both into fits. But I don't think they recognized me, she said. Well, it doesn't matter if they did, Miss Emmeline said, for they wouldn't believe their own eyes. Well, that is all very well said Mrs. Bishop, but sooner or later someone will see you, Emmeline, and while you are certainly old enough at 70 to do as you please, 
Still, flying around the country on a broomstick is going to cause talk. I'm sure I don't know what your dear father would have said. Well, I don't either, said Miss Emmeline, and I don't care. I had rather hoped, she said, that you and I might find it a pleasant diversion for those warm summer nights. Oh, come on, Letty. It's so much pleasanter if there is someone to talk to. However, if you feel that way about it. You have no one, Emmeline, said Mrs. Bishop. But I have my grandchildren to consider, and there is another point. You may say you have done nothing wrong, but I'm not so sure. And if you would only speak to the rector. Miss Emmeline said that Mr. Cook was very modern and wouldn't believe a word of it. And she said, if the devil can quote scripture for his purpose, why can't a good churchgoer use the devil's methods for hers? Well, oddly enough, this argument convinced Mrs. Bishop. She was glad to be convinced anyway, for now that she had recovered from the excitement of such an incredible experience, she remembered how delightful it had been, and particularly how the twinges of rheumatism, which bothered her almost continually nowadays, had not twinged once. And the long and the short of it was that Miss Emmeline didn't have much trouble persuading her to try it again. So she went and got a broom and assured herself that the servants were busy in the back of the house. And then she and Miss Emmeline went for what she later referred to as a delightful little spin around the lake. In the meantime, Mr. Mall, after recovering from his fright, was profoundly disturbed. He had not recognized Mrs. Bishop, but both he and the maid were prepared to swear that it was an old lady on a broomstick who had swooped upon them and who, after rising again, had seemed to fly into the bishop window. So after the housekeeper had got the maid quieted down and put to bed, well, he, Mr. Mall, decided to go over and investigate. He told the maid, who answered the bell, that he had seen someone climb in the living room window. Oh, well, Mrs. Bishop and Miss Valiant are there, I think, said the maid, and led him to the living room door. But when she opened it, the room was empty. Miss Valiant, eh? said Mr. Mall thoughtfully. Well, perhaps they'll be back and I'd better wait and warn them. So the maid said, well, all right, and she left, and Mr. Mall was just sitting down when Miss Emmeline and Mrs. Bishop sailed through the window. Oh, Mr. Mall gave a whoop and made it back to his own front door in eight seconds flat. Well, I guess Mr. Mall had scared the two old ladies as much as they had scared him. Well, almost. And after they had each had a large glass of lemonade, Mrs. Bishop said, Well, Emmeline, this has all been a great mistake. And if you will take my advice, you will throw that ointment into the lake. 
She was pretty cross. So Miss Emmeline put the ointment in her pocket and wrapped up her broom and went home. Nothing happened for a day or two. And then one afternoon, young Mr. John Sawyer came to see Miss Emmeline. Oh, why, it's very nice of you to come see me, John, Miss Emmeline said. And how is your dear mother? Mr. Sawyer said his mother was all right. And he looked at Miss Emmeline so oddly that she said, Oh, why, what is the matter? Don't you feel well? Well, I feel rather foolish, said Mr. Sawyer. For Mr. Mall has been to see me, and well, I thought I ought to see you about it. I wouldn't have come, he said, but as you know, I have handled Mr. Mall's business here locally, and well, I had no choice. He, oh, really, it's too foolish for words. He charges you with witchcraft. Oh, dear me, said Miss Emmeline, but is witchcraft a crime? Oh, heavens, I don't know, said Mr. Sawyer, but what he specifically wants is to get a court order restraining you from flying over his property. Miss Emmeline smiled and said, oh, is the man really serious about this? And Mr. Sawyer said, he seems to be, but what I really think is he wants to make you look ridiculous in the eyes of the village. And of course, I think he could get the order at the county seat because he has Judge Simmons in his pocket. Mr. Sawyer got up. So really, Miss Emmeline, he said, I just thought I ought to tell you. Now I intend to give up Mr. Mall's business for the man is certainly cracked. He had the most idiotic story about you and Mrs. Bishop, but I can't think of anything we can do to stop him. Well, you certainly mustn't give up his business, John, said Miss Emmeline. There aren't too many wealthy clients in this village, and I think you should advise him not to get that order, for he doesn't understand this village very well if he thinks it would make me look ridiculous. It would merely make him appear a very boorish practical joker. And for my part, I, I will promise not to fly over his property on my broomstick anymore. Mr. Sawyer laughed heartily <laughs> at the idea of Miss Emmeline flying around on a broomstick and the quite truthful details that she gave him about the practices of witchcraft, oh, he found very entertaining. He asked her if she could raise tempests, and she said she had never tried, but the technique was quite simple. Well, he said, you might try next week when Mr. Mall has his housewarming. I understand it will be a big garden party if the weather is good. And indeed, he has gone so wholly early American since buying your house that 
Oh, if you arrived on a broomstick, he'd be delighted. And when Mr. Sawyer got up to go, he said, Now, be careful about this flying around, Miss Emmeline, because even if Mr. Mall can't hold you on a witchcraft charge, he can always get you grounded for flying without a license. <laughs> Evidently, Mr. Mall took Mr. Sawyer's advice, for Miss Emmeline heard no more about the order. Two days later, Mrs. Bishop called up and asked her to dinner. Miss Emmeline smiled because she knew. She knew Mrs. Bishop pretty well, and she said to Thomas, her cat, Well, well, Thomas, what did I tell you? And I guess I had better take my broom along. So she did, and it was just as she had thought. After a good deal of beating about the bush, Mrs. Bishop brought up the flying business and at last said that although such going-ons were both undignified and reprehensible, there was no great harm in their taking one more flight if it was the last one. So it was a chilly evening. She put on her mink coat and lent Miss Emmeline a sealskin jacket and they flew down to Crandall Hollow and poked around in the old cemetery with a flashlight, looking for Bishop and Crandall tombstones. Old Jed Holly saw the light flickering among the graves as he was weaving homeward, and he never drank another drop again as long as he lived. So they did some good, as well as having a good time. And before she went home, Miss Emmeline put some of the ointment in a little silver box on a side table. Oh, and Mrs. Bishop pretended not to see her. The day of Mr. Mall's housewarming. Hmm. Miss Emmeline was fussing around in Mrs. Purdy's garden. She was not so far from the valiant house, but that she could hear the rattle of crockery and the roar of polite conversation. And the tide of resentment rose in her breast. And she remembered, ooh, she remembered what Mr. Sawyer had said about raising a tempest. So she knelt down and picked up some dirt and threw it over her shoulder, muttering the Kabbalistic words she had read in the encyclopedia, along with the names of several important fiends who had charge of such matters. Well, she would never have done it if she thought she would really get results. She was horrified when the sunlight swiftly faded from the garden around her. A sudden gale whipped through the branches, rolling up great black clouds that swept just above the treetops and exploded in a series of blinding flashes and terrific thunder peals. And immediately, all was drowned in torrents 
torrents of driving rain. It was the father and mother of a storm, and the garden party was a mess. Nobody had time even to get indoors. All the guests were soaked, and naturally, they blamed Mr. Mall. So, the next day, he came to see Miss Emmeline. You win, he said. Here's your trunk and your shoes, and now will you lay off me? Oh, well, thank you, said Miss Emmeline. And I must tell you, I had no idea the spell would really work, though perhaps I would have done it anyway. Well, please don't try any more spells, he said. And then he said, how do you do it? You can at least explain to me. Miss Emmeline looked at Mr. Mall, and she saw a little man who, though of course perfectly impossible, was, for all his money and power, just unsure and dissatisfied. Things were not all pie for him, for though he had hired a corps of genealogists and had a fine old house and fine old heirlooms, he shone only with reflected glory. For the house was still the valiant house, not the mall house. And she realized that neither of them had what they wanted. She lacked the money to maintain her prestige, and he lacked the position to make his money count. So she felt sorry for him and asked him to sit down. And then she told him, she told him all about it. Now, if this were a fairy story, we would have Mr. Mall's sympathy aroused and he would give Miss Emmeline back her house and her things. But the truth is, Mr. Mall felt no sympathy whatsoever. He was afraid of what Miss Emmeline could do, but if he could buy her goodwill with the trunk, he wasn't going to offer anything else. And then it occurred to him that the witch ointment would have tremendous commercial possibilities if he could get the formula. He asked her a lot of questions about it and offered to buy it. At first, Miss Emmeline refused to sell, but that only made him more determined. And when he got up to a price for one quarter of her supply, which was more than the house and its contents had cost him, she took it, for she was no fool. And when he said suspiciously, how do I know this is the real stuff? She said, you try it. And if it doesn't work, bring it back and I will return your check. Well, he tried it all right. Early next morning, a farmer named Willet started from home with his milk. And as he came over Five Mile Hill, he saw something big and black struggling feebly. 
in the telegraph wires that run along the railroad track. Well, he got ladders and ropes and took an hour to get Mr. Mall down. And one of Willett's summer boarders took a picture of it and sent it to a magazine. It was published as one of the great puzzle pictures of the year, for nobody could explain how Mr. Mall had got up there, least of all Mr. Mall himself. All over the country, people laughed and wondered about it, and in the village, they laughed so much that Mr. Mall stayed indoors all the rest of the summer, and there were no more parties at the Valiant House. In the fall, when he found that people were still laughing, he closed up the house and offered it for sale. In the meantime, the chemist to whom Mr. Mall had sent the ointment did succeed in isolating the various ingredients, which were aconite and belladonna and bat's blood and one or two things I shall not tell you about. Hmm. He had done some reading in the use of drugs in medieval times, and this chemist went to see Mr. Mall in his office in the Empire State Building hmm. and told him what he suspected. You are quite right, said Mr. Mall, and I believe we have found something which will bring about more profound changes in American life than even the automobile. And the name of Mall will be greater than that of Ford. And you, he said, shall be managing director of the company with a salary which I assure you will be greater than anything you could make by trying to develop it yourself. Oh, you can trust me to see to that, said the chemist. But how does it work? Mm, like this, said Mr. Mall. You rub a little on your wrist, and he suited the action to the word. And immediately, with a triumphant smile on his face, he floated out of the window. But he had no broom to steer with. He rose swiftly in the air and passed out of sight in an easterly direction. And there's really no use speculating where he ended up. He was never seen again. And the chemist very sensibly, tore up his notes and went home and forgot all about it. Well, twice a week, all the rest of the summer, Mrs. Bishop invited Miss Emmeline to dinner. And after dinner, if the weather was good, she sent the maids to the movies and the two old ladies flew. It was the moonlight nights they liked best when they could watch their shadows glide across the dim fields, or if there were scattered clouds, they could rise through them and look down upon their moonlit contours, or plunge through blind dampness to play a dignified game of tag among them. 
Now, when Mr. Mall had left the village, he had commissioned Mr. Sawyer to sell the Valiant House and its contents for the best offer he could get. But such old houses are hard to get rid of, and though he had advertised widely, the only offer he had was from a real estate man who wanted to buy it cheap for speculation. Mr. Sawyer wrote to Mr. Mall, but got no answer, and as his instructions were definite, he was about to close the deal when he thought he'd speak to Miss Emmeline first. Oh, why, John, said Miss Emmeline, that is less than Mr. Mall paid me just for the furnishings. Well, if you were willing to bid just five dollars more, said Mr. Sawyer, I would have to accept. So Miss Emmeline wrote him a check and he made out the papers and gave her the keys and she moved back in that afternoon. And Mr. Sawyer sent the check to Mr. Mall's office and Mr. Mall's secretary deposited it to his personal account. And, well, the money may be there yet, for all I know. Miss Emmeline was so happy to get back into her old home that she wasn't so much interested in flying for a while. And Mrs. Bishop had to fly by herself. Hmm? Mrs. Bishop didn't mind much because by this time she'd become so enthusiastic that she would have flown in broad sunlight if no other time of day had been possible. And indeed, she often started out earlier and came home later than she should have. For in spite of her conventional code, she'd always done exactly as she pleased, with little regard to what others might think. So it came about that first one and then another of the villagers saw her winging homeward at dawn or clear over the lake in the light of the setting sun. Well, until she was recognized, some alarm was felt and there was a lot of talk. But as soon as people knew who it was, the talk died down for whatever the bishops did had been approved by the village for several generations. And it now merely felt a quiet pride in this new manifestation of bishop superiority. And what would have seemed ostentation in a person who was merely very rich and eccentricity in one who only had social position with little capital to support it, appeared quite right and natural in one who possessed both these titles to consideration. So now, at the end of the story, we have Miss Emmeline and Thomas, her cat, back in the calm enjoyment of their old home. And Mrs. Bishop, well, to tell you the truth, I do not quite know what to say about Mrs. Bishop. For her flying, which had been nearly a harmless hobby, now seems to have become something more. Curious sounds 
and ominous presences have been several times reported by her maids and on several occasions she has disappeared for a week or more at a time. Oh, and on the last occasion when the two old ladies took a turn about the lake in the cool of the evening, well, Miss Emmeline had the disquieting feeling that they were not alone. It may be significant that Mrs. Bishop no longer attends the meetings of the Girls' Friendly Society, and that her pew on Sundays is now, more often than not, empty. But you must draw your own conclusions. I feel, with Miss Emmeline, that the matter is now out of our hands. Good night.